0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal.
1: Messi takes everybody up. Messi has got it!
0: From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0 golden goal soccer stars and the moments that made them premiering this summer on blue wire
1: what is up hockey fans this is the golden edge podcast The podcast for the Las Vegas Review-Journal talks about real, in-the-flesh hockey because the Golden Knights have begun training camp. I was there to witness it, and on the other line is someone else who was there to witness it, my colleague, Dave Shane. Dave, how you doing? Uh, I'm stoked. Heard the
2: uh, clacking of the pucks on the sticks, and... The skates like ripping through the ice. You know those old familiar sounds. It was great. It's just it's just weird to like wake up and have it be 105 degrees outside and go watch hockey that's the only weird thing so far
1: yeah it was beautiful because i heard uh one media member who was allowed to be in the uh socially distanced viewing gallery with us complain that they didn't bring a sweater or something despite the fact that it was you know triple digits outside just because inside it was a much different temperature but it was nice to feel the chill of the ice again, for me, definitely, and I'm excited to talk about all that we have uh, learned and observed the first two weeks of Golden Knights Training Camp because it began on Monday. We're recording this on Tuesday after practice, but first, I want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge Podcast is presented by Favor, drinkafavor.com. Uh, also, please remember to check out all our written work on all that is going on at Knights Training Camp at Review Journal dot com. Uh, Dave has a pretty cool feature coming out about a player that we're going to talk a little bit about. I'm sure later on in this podcast that you're not going to want to miss. And of course I'll be providing other daily updates. Um, And also please remember to rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts do to this one. It helps people find us and helps get the word out about what we're doing. So with all that preamble out of the way, Dave, uh, we touched on this a little bit, but what has it been like for you watching real live in-person hockey outside of your home the past two days? I mean, without making it too much about, you know, the pandemic and things like
2: that, I mean, I wasn't sure I was going to see it. Uh, I mean, four months ago, you just, you know, at the time it felt like, oh, it's going to be, you know, a couple of weeks, you know, maybe two to three week pause and things will come back. and And then as it went on, it became pretty clear that, you know, this was a serious situation around the world, you know, especially in North America. Um, and sports were kind of secondary. You didn't know if it was going to come back, and and so to to kind of see that they're you know as as we're recording this, what you know, twelve days away, I guess, maybe from you know leaving for Edmonton and and you know playing an exhibition game and and having a game on the schedule August third and and everything like that. I mean, just you know, it's it's kind of. I don't know what the right word is i don't want to say it's cool um but it's definitely i guess uh you know maybe something i didn't i didn't see happening four four months ago
1: yeah it's definitely weird because this is something that you know i don't want to just crap on our day job because i love our day jobs but normally this is kind of a part of the day that's i was going to say you know relatively tedious like it's usually not that Exciting for me at this point because I've done it so much to go to City National Arena and watch these guys go through a bunch of hockey drills, right? I've watched it, you know, however many hundreds of practices I've been to. So you kind of become numb to it. And today it was the first time in a long time where I got really excited, like breaking down two on one drills and who was keeping tight gaps and who was not. It was uh, a very refreshing experience and a very, I guess, welcome break to kind of the tedium that I think a lot of our lives have become in the past couple months. And I just don't mean that as a brag, but I do think that's something interesting that sports can provide, provided they do it safely and with the utmost respect for all health and safety protocols that go into making this as safe as possible for players. But, I mean, it was exciting just to have a little bit of live hockey back again. Uh, As Dave mentioned, the Knights are going to be practicing for... Just under two weeks here in Las Vegas before they leave for Edmonton on July 26th. So that's 12 days from when they're or when we're recording this. Uh, before that time, they're going to have to make two roster cuts because they have brought 33 players into training camp. Right now, we watched 32 uh, skate today. Uh, basically, everyone outside of Marc-Andre Fleury, who has been held out the past two days just for maintenance reasons. Pete DeBoer has come out and said, hey... He didn't test positive for COVID-19. He's been skating the last five months as part of kind of the phase two small group workouts. And basically, we're not just going to push him. Uh, The Knights currently have 18 forwards, 12 defensemen, three goalies. Like I said, one of them is Marc-Andre Fleury, who I already mentioned. So that's far more than the 12, 6, and 2 you need to uh, dress each night. But the team, of course, wants to have extras around, as do all NHL teams, because you never know when a player is going to test positive or multiple guys are going to test positive on your team. So it's good to have uh other guys around. And uh let's be honest, the players have been pretty psyched to be around each other. It's been really interesting watching them kind of interact with each other on the bench, uh, especially today you see guys just kind of chopping it up with each other. You know, it's Nick Cousins described it as kind of a first day of school vibe yesterday because it just feels like they're all catching up with their buddies, they can't wait to see everyone and you know the mood has definitely been uh, excited for all of these players, and let's actually uh, quick hear from Derek Englund yesterday talking about what this first day of camp was like. Yeah, that's the best part. You, you know, we've been skating together for uh, you know five weeks, six weeks uh, here, and um, to get out there with everyone was nice. You know, there's some guys that uh, due to timing and stuff like that you haven't seen, and probably half the team. You know, um, so it's nice to get out there with everyone and. Uh, Get some more game-like situa- situations in there, and uh, you know, just see some familiar faces. Uh, so there was Derek England talking about the first day of camp. Uh, it's worth noting, as we've kind of touched on in previous podcasts, that basically all the knights have already been back for weeks, working out as a part of Phase Two, those small group workouts. So players are really in shape and rearing to go. I mean, I was very impressed today by kind of the tempo of practice and how fast guys were going and how kind of full speed it was, even though some of the technical aspects like, you know, the passes, the stick handling, maybe it wasn't quite where it was when these guys left off. Um, Coach Pete DeBoer did mention that the team was ahead of his expectations that way in terms of kind of the condition they were in. So that certainly seems to be a good sign for the nights. Uh, Dave, I mentioned some of kind of what I've noticed. What have been your takeaways watching practice the last two days? I mean, does this look like kind of a normal training camp practice to you at this point, or even just normal practices?
2: Yeah, probably closer to, you know, almost a mid season practice. I mean, I don't, you know, a few things jumped out. Obviously I was there Monday, the first day and and you weren't because of the limited capacity um, inside city national arena. But it was it was just odd walking in and watching a practice in in silence, you know, not having kids yelling "Go, nights go!" and seeing, as Pete DeBoer said a while ago, you know, seeing the flag waving up at the top or, you know, just all the fans there. It was it was just very different to, you know, you hear the players so much more. Not that you couldn't before, but you know, you really hear that clack of the puck on the stick and you really hear the skates and you you hear the players just kind of mucking it up with each other and and the chemistry sort of that they have i mean every time somebody's fumbled a puck you've heard everybody oh you know just giving somebody a hard time and it's it is it's like that nick cousins um analogy of first day at school you know when you've haven't seen your buddies, you know, cause you don't live close to them. You live in a separate housing tract and your parents don't, you know, have you guys with like play dates. So you don't play on the same baseball team or hockey, whatever it is. And so that first day of school, it's like, ah, what's up bud? You know, it, it is kind of like that. So, so in that regard, it's, it's been cool to see, but you know, the, the other thing too, that stood out is there is a definite vibe right now of like, just get this to phase four. Where where everybody is just kind of like, look, we need to be responsible. You know, William Carlson talked about it a little bit today. Like, you know, we kind of been advised to stay off the strip. It's just, you know, everybody be a grown up, everybody be a professional, you know, stay out of harm's way. Don't expose yourself to, you know, any potential coronavirus, you know, uh, openings, I guess you could say, whatever it might be, and, and get to phase four safely. That, that seems to be kind of the overriding message, I think, right now in, in everybody's mind.
1: They say a healthy gut means a healthy you. Favor apple cider vinegar shots, bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two-ounce shot. Better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. Yeah, and I think that message is coming from a place of the Knights don't wanna screw up what they see is a really good thing right now. When I mean, we've heard it all over Zoom calls the past couple days that, you know, part of the reason guys stayed here and guys were psyched to even participate in those small group workouts is this team seems to have a real confidence, a real belief that they can do some damage, even in this modified postseason tournament the NHL is going to be doing. So I think that's definitely a vibe that I've gotten as well of guys being like, "Hey, we think we can really do something special with this group. So we're all ultra focused on kind of the end goal here, and we're willing to put in the work, um, hoping that it will result in a big payoff for us." and you know, like I mentioned earlier, I think all of that uh, small group workout participation was a reflection of that. And then even these early training camp practices have kind of been a reflection of that, because because these guys are you know more in shape than they would have been if they just showed up you know yesterday as their first day of training camp without having skated in a while. They're already doing some uh, pretty interesting system work. I think we saw them you know, work on kind of their breakout patterns today, work out some rush patterns, depending on how the breakout goes. They've scrimmaged both days of practice. I mean, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like they're, you know, getting a lot of stuff done, right? Yeah. And Pete DeBoer kind of mentioned that even, you know, praised their
2: conditioning that they didn't have to use time to, you know, run gassers or not run, but, you know, skate gassers or, or up downs or, you know, whatever phrase you want to use with, you know, suicides or, ah, you know, every coach has got a different name, but you know what I'm talking about? You know, they don't have to do that. We haven't seen any, anything like that. Uh, it, it has been a lot of system work and, you know, we even saw them at the end of practice today, break off and do some, some power play stuff where, you know the the guys they went to the other rink so we didn't actually see it but you know I you know obviously we don't see the access to or we don't have access to the other teams and and what have you but it's been a recurring theme going back to even like when Braden McNabb had had his media availability you know what a week or two ago and we've talked about this on the podcast that it 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 feels like they might just be a little bit ahead and, and have a, I guess, to use Kelly McCrimmon's phrase, a competitive advantage because they had so many people participating in that phase two, where if, you know, certain points when we saw the the COVID-19 testing numbers from the league, and you saw that it was basically half the league going through that protocol, but the Knights had essentially their full team here from all reports, and so... Uh, you know, I don't know if that that translates in in chemistry, and and we'll see. But but that that like like I said, it's been a recurring theme that that they feel like, you know, that they're they're a step ahead right now, maybe.
1: No, definitely, that's certainly the vibe that they're giving off. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about you know you mentioned all of the guys that have been here, uh, not just kind of the, I guess, core group of players, because that's what was been interesting to me, too, is that, you know, it's not just the guys that have normally been part of the Knights that stuck around. And, of course, have been participating. Uh, Even the expanded roster, all of them were kind of on the ice day one, except for uh, Peyton Krebs, who's the Knights probably top prospect. He's a center who's coming from juniors, and then he joined the team today. Um, but looking at the thirty-three guy training camp roster, Dave, is there anyone that really stuck out to you when you uh saw it like maybe a Krebs that you were, you know, getting kind of eager to take a look at? I mean, Krebs was the one that
2: obviously jumped out right away. Um, just because of his age just because, you know, he didn't even have a training camp, let alone, you know, make an NHL debut or anything like that. You know, like at least some of these guys have and you know, Pete DeBoer kind of talked about they've seen Gage Quinney. They they have a feel for Patrick Brown. He's got a trust level with them. Um, Krebs, obviously, nobody, you know, it's a chance for for Pete DeBoer to, to get a look at him. But this is also Stanley Cup playoffs. And it's it it's not necessarily about player development, according to Kelly McCrimmon. So it speaks to, I guess, how highly the team thinks of him at this point in in his development. Um, But maybe what jumped out to me more is like the guys that weren't like, we didn't see Brandon Peary on that list. We didn't see, you know, Valentin Zikoff guys who have, you know, played NHL games and, you know, potentially if you needed to get into, you know, an emergency injury situation and plug guys into a top six, you know, if, if you're running short of depth or something like that, those are guys that, you know, maybe could do it, have potentially done it in the past, you know, at least Peary is a one-time twenty-goal scorer, and to not see them on the on the roster, and to see more of guys that would, you know, probably be classified as uh, as kind of bottom six grinder type guys. You know, Colasar, uh, Gage, Quinney, Patrick Brown, uh, Reed, Duke. You know that that maybe was the the most surprising thing for me. Other, I don't think I was any I was surprised by by anything on the defense. You know, as long as they were taking that that number, it seemed like those are the next guys kind of uh in line you know going down to dylan Coughlin and uh into jimmy schultz as well
1: yeah to go back to krebs really quick i mean i think what you said is really interesting in that kelly mccrimmon was pretty emphatic like hey we didn't bring up this kid who for those of you that don't know was their first round draft pick uh, this past summer, so 2019, we didn't just call him up because it's a good story because we wanted good PR. He was like, "We're bringing guys into this camp who we think can help us compete for the Stanley Cup." So that's pretty high praise for Peyton Krebs, given the fact that he's been in the organization. I guess it's get coming up on a year, if not, you know, just right around a year from when he was drafted. But if you, you know, listen to How people talk about him, you know, both Pete DeBoer today and then, you know, I've talked to his uh, juniors general manager in the past. I've talked to Will Nickel, the Knights director of player development. Everyone just raves about not just what a player he is, but how mature of a person he is. And so in that respect, I think it's really interesting that they kind of thought he could handle all that's going to go into being in Las Vegas for the first time and basically not being allowed to go out, or I guess he's technically allowed to go out, but obviously having kind of the maturity and poise to know that going out might not be in his best interest. Uh, It probably helps that he's staying with Mark Stone again. He stayed with Stone uh, in the fall when he was here in Las Vegas rehabbing an injury he suffered before the draft. And now that his uh, two-week quarantine is up, he's staying with Stone and uh, his fiance again. So I'm sure that will help keep him in line, but I thought it was a tremendous vote of confidence by the Knights to bring him in. And then you mentioned uh, a guy, especially at the end there, that I kind of want to touch on and kind of shift to guys that were you know either excited or intrigued to get more of a look at, because Dylan Coughlin is one guy that kind of jumped out to me of, you know, Pete DeBoer, we saw it kind of again today when he was running through some drills really wants to get his defensemen involved in the attack, involved in the rush, and use them to create you know more offense than we're used to seeing from the Golden Knights defensemen when they were being coached under Gerard Glant. And I think Coughlin's a guy that could really do a lot of those things DeBoer is looking for. And it was interesting. I even saw DeBoer kind of give Coughlin a fist bump today as in like, hey, you know, good job on one of those drills. So he's a guy I'm really... You know, interested to see how he kind of adapts to the new systems the Knights are running on, whether and whether that helps him kind of uh, move up the pecking order, as it were, a little bit, because he still hasn't made his NHL debut. Obviously, that probably won't be a big factor, or at least the Knights hope it won't be a big factor in this actual return to play stuff and chase for the Stanley Cup, but it could certainly be something to watch in the future.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the other guy, and and maybe for. somewhat opposite reasons, I guess, that I kind of want to see a little bit more of is Jimmy Schultz. And part of part of that is, you know, Jimmy Schultz, uh, a restricted free agent. He's going into, you know, some contract stuff and spent the entire year at the AHL. And he was a guy that when they signed him as a as a free agent coming out of college, coming out of St. Cloud State, had a lot of, you know, hype behind him, was a Hobie Baker finalist and and all those sorts of things, was was a guy that maybe You know, you thought early on could project into a lineup early and and it seems like he's yet to make, you know, a lot of headway within the organization and kind of moving up that depth chart. Maybe this is a chance for for him, obviously, to to get in front of DeBoer and and you know, that coaching staff again and, and show what he can do show, you know, after a year of playing pro hockey, how he's adapted and improved and all those sorts of things. I don't know if he's going to be a guy that they carry, you know, to Edmonton, maybe he's fighting for a spot with Dylan Coglin. you know, maybe there's only one, you know, room for, for three of those defensemen of the four that that got brought up with, with Hague Bischoff Coughlin, and, uh, and Schult. So we'll see. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, we don't know how that that roster is going to shake out in that sense, but maybe that's what this is for those two guys. Maybe this is a little bit of a training camp battle and, and to see who kind of, you know, jumps ahead in the in the pecking order a little bit going into uh, in the next season.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's interesting, especially from the standpoint that, you know, as we talked with DeBoer about Krebs today, I mean, he just hasn't gotten his eyes on these guys in person a lot. I mean, I'm sure he certainly had time to kind of break down some tape of all these players while he was kind of stuck in quarantine the past couple months. But uh, the fact that he now gets to see a Peyton Krebs in person, see a Dylan Coughlin in person, I'm sure is going to be really beneficial to him and then really beneficial to the organization. Cause he can kind of provide his thoughts on where guys stand in kind of his personal pecking order. Uh, and as Dave mentioned, you know, they're carrying once again, 12 defensemen and 18 forwards. They're two over the roster limit that they're allowed to bring to Edmonton. So it certainly makes sense. They ended up just cutting one defenseman and one forward. They do have three goalies in camp, uh, Flurry, Robin Leonard, and Oscar Dansk. But I don't think either of us believe that they're going to uh, obviously cut any of one of those guys. Even Oscar uh, Dansk, I should say, uh, makes sense to bring to Edmonton just from an emergency perspective of having that third goalie around. Um, So moving on from some of the guys that are kind of fighting four roster spots to go to Edmonton. Uh, Let's talk about the guys that are kind of locks for Edmonton, but are kind of shuffling for position a little bit. Uh, Pete DeBoer, kind of unsurprisingly, kept his top six and defensemen the same before the pause. At least, you know, his top six the same as when he had it when everyone was healthy. Um, But that bottom six, like I said, underwent some changes, which I think are really interesting. The third line, which has played a whopping zero minutes together, I know because I looked this up, uh, was Chandler Stevenson at left wing, Nicholas Watt center, and Alex Tuck at right wing, though they did seem to be playing around with who lined up where a little bit today from what I observed. And then the fourth line was William Carey at left wing, Nick Cousins at center, and then Ryan Reeves at right wing. Uh, that trio has played a whopping seven minutes together basically which is essentially going to be like eight shifts but hey they have a 91.39 expected goals percentage in those seven minutes uh per what i looked up they've scored about 0.4 expected goals and allowed like nothing so that's pretty good um but you know dave when you uh, first looked at those kind of combinations what did what came to mind <laughs> well, and I'm laughing at just the domination by the uh, Carrier-Cousins-Reeves
2: trio. But um, I mean, I guess, you know, like uh, you, you tinker with stuff in the summer, and like, oh, what's your projected lineup and, and whatever. And I, I kind of figured if it was all things being equal, that Tuck would be at right wing with Stevenson centering the third line and Cousins on, uh, uh, at left wing. And then I figured Waugh would be centering Carrier and Reeves. Clearly, I don't know what the heck I'm talking about um, because that was a big whiff. Um, But I think, you know, maybe there's a couple things that you can kind of read into it. Um, One, I think, is what Pete DeBoer thinks of Nicholas Waugh at this point. And clearly going back to like when Mark Stone was hurt and him getting time at right wing on the second line um, and now being bumped up you know, to, to a third line center role when you've got a guy like Chandler Stevenson and, and we'll see, like you said, you know, it looked like Stevenson was maybe working in center a little bit more today, you know, but I I think it certainly speaks to where, Pete DeBoer feels Nicholas Waugh's best and maybe feels like he's got a little more offensive potential than, than, you know, like I projected or, or some guys like that, that he's not just like a fourth line center guy that, that he can do some more things here. And then the other thing, you know, maybe going down to the fourth line center is I don't think it bodes real well for Tomas Nosek, who's going to be an unrestricted free agent. And, you know, at least for right now, you know, would start out as a healthy scratch if that, If it works out that way. But the other thing too is, and I looked this up a little bit ago um, and I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but as a center and during his career, Nick Cousins actually has a history of a whole lot of hits and he's a guy who can play physical and fit in that way with Ryan Reeves And with William Carrier and the one thing that I learned in the handful of games that Nick cousins played. And then you go back to like his junior junior career is that he's a sneaky good playmaker. I think he had like 70 something assists one year in juniors, um, which I mean, you know, take that for, for what it is, but I think it maybe speaks to his vision on the ice and, and how he sees plays develop. And when the puck is on, is on his stick what he's able to do with it in in certain situations, and maybe that that bodes well for a guy like Ryan Reeves and and William Carrier to, to have a, a guy who can drive the offense a little bit, maybe set them up and and do some things. We'll see how it works out. Um, but I do I do think it's an interesting sort of uh combination, I guess that that Pete DeBoer went with after you know four months and knowing that everybody's healthy.
1: No, it's definitely something that surprised me, too, because it wasn't exactly what I was expecting out of the gate when I had kind of played with their line combinations in my own head. But when you actually look at what uh, Pete DeBoer put together, I think it does make a lot of sense to start out with you know those combinations, especially if they have the belief in Nicholas Waugh that it clearly seems like they have. And I mean, you talk to people throughout the organization, they rave about, you know, not just how Nick Waugh has developed kind of on the ice, but how, you know, crazy, crazy good his work habits are. You know, I know uh, Wolves coach Rocky Thompson, I guess now he's technically going to be the Silver Knights coach, Rocky Thompson, has talked to me before about how they would, you know, get off the plane to whatever AHL city they're playing in that night. And Nicholas Waugh would head right to the weight room to get a workout in. And uh, typically, uh, Zach Whitecloud would be there with him too. But I think it just goes to show that Nick Clossois has a lot of fans in this organization. Pete DeBoer certainly seems to be a fan, especially after watching him kind of blossom when he was filling in for Mark Stone before the pause. And we'll see what he ends up doing with this kind of big opportunity that uh, it seems like he's being given. Um, What other roster, I guess, type of storylines, uh, are sticking out to you right now, Dave. I mean, it's obviously we've got the goaltender battle going on, or I should say quote-unquote I mean, I don't know how much of we can have, really, you uh, know, both learn Marc-Andre in Flurry terms and Robin Leonard because... are going to
2: play and that it's not like a normal training camp in that sense it's not like you're coming in and, and kind of and it's like day oh by there's all position battles and, what his and all that I mean, we saw kind of where the lines are so, each game, so there's a little bit what of what that i don't kind of, I just i don't feel you know, like there's a lot of intrigue in that we really want to monitor you know maybe somebody like nick haig and and can can he crack you know a lineup at some point maybe earn some playing time um and and maybe and and this is kind of the the where I'm sort of looking at things and and maybe this is sort of the transition is, is how they approach that exhibition game and those round Robin games and, and how I guess, quote unquote serious they take them. Um, You know, I know there was a, an interview that Nate Schmidt did with TSN and he kind of mentioned like, you know, look, if Colton Parake winding up for a slap shot in the round Robin, like, am I going to dive in front of that? Am I really going to put it on the line knowing you're trying to peak for the actual, I guess, playoffs in, in the first round and and all that so so i think there's a balance and 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 what have you that they have to strike here for the next couple of weeks of how do you peak how do you get ready but you know i guess not redline in terms of like injury zone um and and potentially strains and and strains pulls and and all sorts of nagging things Um, and then, you know, kind of, how do you, how are you going to handle August and and early on, how are you going to handle those, those three games? And and is it really all that imperative to jump up in the seating, you know, or is that something that they really, really, really feel that they're going to have to fight for? And, you know, it's just the whole thing is going to be, you know, interesting as a, you know, as a whole, as, as an entity, just, you know, what it's like going to be without fans, you know, how teams are going to be able to, to get up is going to affect them you know is edmonton going to have any kind of advantage playing in their own building are the knights going to be able to you know draw on march 9th and and winning a game there and going back to the the place that they played the last game you know of the regular season is it going to bring back good memories just you know there's all sorts of little things like that that it's different than a you know, a normal training camp because you're going into a postseason, So it's, it's kind of hard to dissect like the next two weeks and, and say, what are you really looking at? Or or what do you want to see? Because I think we've already seen it. It's just a matter of, you know, like I mentioned earlier, can they get to, you know, that point, can they get to phase four healthy? Can everybody in the NHL just get to those hub cities and, and pull this off really?
1: Yeah. Still so many questions left to be unanswered for both the Golden Knights and the NHL. Uh, you know, quick, before we kind of wrap this up, we'll quick hear from Pete DeBoer just on what his kind of thoughts are going into training camp and how he wants himself and his team to approach it. Uh, you know, our message to the group today was, uh, I really liked how we were playing going into the pause. I, I thought, uh, you know, our systems were in a good place. We were starting to play seamlessly. Uh, we were, we were able to, to plug guys in and out of the lineup and not, not lose a step. Um, so how do we get back to that again? And, uh, you know, for me, like any camp, it's about starting with your foundation again and, and getting to that point. Hopefully uh, it comes a little bit easier because, you know, we were there three, four months ago uh, when we paused and and they know what that feels like. So uh, that's the goal. So that was Golden Knight coach Pete DeVore on one of many Zooms that he will be doing uh, with us and the rest of the local media throughout the rest of training camp. Uh, Obviously we'll be there basically every day for you guys, trying to come up with stories and keep you guys informed. What is going on at City National Arena since we know fans are not going to be allowed in. So to follow along with all of our written content, make sure to go to reviewjournal.com. If you want to follow along with our audio content here on the Golden Edge Podcast, please remember to uh, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do, podcast to this podcast. Uh, Thank you so much to Favor, favor drinkoffavor.com for presenting us. Uh, Thanks to my colleague, Dave Shane, for joining me on this episode. We are the Golden Age Podcast, and we'll talk to you guys all
0: real soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history.